I remember, I don't know if anybody here are Star Wars fans enough to remember uh, when the last installment, Episode 9, came out not that long ago. And I heard a news report that there were people waiting in line outside theaters hoping to get tickets for that last opening night. And I heard an interview with some of the people that were in line. One woman said she quit her job so she could be among the first to see the movie. I thought, that's dedication and dumb. Uh, one young man had skipped school, of course, bad idea, but his father apparently was okay with it because his father had skipped work to bring his son to this line. A software manufacturer in California gave their entire workforce the day off on that Thursday, knowing that most were probably planning on calling in sick anyway. Star Wars was the latest craze. It made me think about fads of the past. I know I've, I wasn't alive at the time, but I, I've seen videos of like Beatles mania, where they introduced the Beatles at the Ed Sullivan Theater, and you can just hear these young girls screaming, like bloody murder screaming, because they're so excited that the Beatles are there. Uh, Elvis, that was a craze. Every Christmas, there is a gift that somehow catches fire. I don't know if anybody here is old enough to remember Furby dolls. Do you remember Furbies or Tickle Me Elmos? You know, I'm thinking of my confirmands right now. I'm not exactly sure how far back Tickle Me Elmos go. Uh, but I remember news reports of people fighting over Tickle Me Elmos, which was ironic, of course. Did you ever get the big toy? I don't know what the big toy was. If you did ever get it, it feels pretty good, doesn't it? Like, whoa. I heard there weren't many of these, and I got one. Or you more like me, maybe, and you heard there was a big toy and probably didn't get one. My wife's mom has a story about a black market dealing she did once in a parking lot back in the 80s for a Cabbage Patch doll. And it was like a homemade. It, it ended up being like a homemade Cabbage Patch doll. And she's like, well, what do you do? Like, this is as good as I can get. Fads are always a part of life. Uh, bell bottoms in the 70s, uh, leg warmers in the 80s, mall hair in the 90s. Uh, in the month after September 11th, since we just remembered uh, this anniversary a couple days ago, 20 years ago, those of us who remember those days, so many flags. Uh, it was amazing how many flags were flying or magnetically attached to vehicles. Um, that, of course, didn't last all 20 years. Have you ever gotten caught up in something? A fashion trend or a TV show? or the latest diet. I know over the summer, a lot of us who had never really been NBA fans were all of a sudden Bucks and Six fans. There's something about a fresh new idea or the energy some events create that just draw participants in. Some of these fads offer a quick fix for something that ails us, maybe a reason that we're hurting, or new hope to address problems we've had forever, and so we're supposed to follow this fad until it dies out, of course. None of us came to church with leg warmers on today, I don't think. Uh, the most popular song right now, which I, of course, have no idea what it is, the, the biggest headline or the funniest meme that you're seeing on your phone right now, they'll all be forgotten, right? Maybe by tomorrow, at least by next month. Fads fade. That's the nature of fads. Sometimes we treat God like a fad in different parts of our lives, as though God is like a, a product or offers products. 
which will do certain things for us. Like, you know, those moments when, ooh, we feel… Because gu- we don't always feel guilty, but maybe, maybe there's a moment that we feel guilty and so we think, well, maybe I'll rub some God on it and the guilt will disappear. Or if you or someone you know or love suffers from a disease, sometimes we're told or maybe we trick ourselves into thinking, well, maybe if, you know, I invest enough faith, maybe I'll conjure up a a healing from God. Or if I've got questions, you know, and I would say confirmation, age, uh, I remember having a lot of questions about, about God, about the eternal, about all things religious, and I thought, well, the the church should be where they have stocked inventories of answers, right? All the answers should live here. Sometimes we choose to make church or God a part of our lives so that we can get something out of it. We worship God maybe so we can qualify for or have access to God products, forgiveness, uh, justification, a get-out-of-hell-free card eternal life, things like that. Why go to church? Well, look at what church people are entitled to as members. But when the church is honest with itself, as we try to be, church people know that the church does not offer an agreed-upon set of moral advice. Many of us in this room, uh, if I would throw out an ethical question, we'd have more than one answer, right? The church does not offer the world an agreed-upon list of information about God as to, like, who God even is. Uh, Some Christians would say God is a he. Others would say a she. Others would say an it. Others would say none of the above. Some would say all of the above. So, the church is not your one-stop God shop where you get all your God products. It is not where you receive the correct list of morals. It isn't even where the correct definition of God is found. So, you might wonder, so what, what does the church offer? Well, we hear it many weeks after a gathering hymn. I'll say something like, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And you all say, and also with you, which also feels like a Star Wars thing that should be said when they say the force be with you. But that's another thing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all sounds to church people because it, it's said so often, it almost sounds like a throwaway line. Like, you know, it, what does it mean? Well, it's as meaningful as anything else that is said during worship. It's what the church offers. That's it. Like, you know, when you start an essay, you're supposed to start with the, a sentence that really grabs their attention and kind of set, like, don't bury the lead, say what you mean right away. Well, that's one of the first things the church wants to say to people who've come to worship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So, the church does not offer right away at the beginning of worship, here's the 12-step method to discipleship. We don't don't say, be here for a while and you're going to lose weight or you know, you're going to be entertained for the next 45 minutes. That's, that's not our promise or our claim. The true church offers no such fad. Any temporary product meant to fix, treat, or thrill you, the church offers good news. And the good news is that a relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit 
is available to you at all times, in all places. We look to Scripture and we read stories about how God has been in relationship with God's creation. Today's text is all about how God created creation. So, like, there's where the relationship starts. God is creator. And then as the year goes on from here, we're going to hear about how God then tried to start over with Noah, how God chose a particular people with Abraham, and then showed how faithful God is throughout a relationship with Abraham's descendants in an effort to reach out and be in relationship with everybody on earth. Then this God chooses to reveal God's innermost ways by becoming a human. The Creator becomes part of the creation as He becomes human through Jesus. God continues to reveal God's self and be present with us even now through the Holy Spirit. And so Christians are able to hear all these stories about God and realize that having faith in this God does not make all their pain go away. Most biblical characters actually suffer in some way, don't they? Believing in this God will not necessarily make life easier. Just ask the disciples. Trusting in this God does not ensure happiness or good fortune. Christians worship this God because of that initial claim, a claim of relationship that God offers us. And in that relationship, we experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, a grace that frees us from sinfulness so we can, we can live unburdened from feeling terrible all the time. In this relationship, we experience the love of God, a love that is so faithful, so consistent, and so trustworthy that there's no reason to question God's real motives. God's motivation is love. That's it. That's all God's trying to get out of you. And in that relationship, we experience a communion with God, a communion of the Holy Spirit. That is a real presence amidst our everyday lives that we'll celebrate in Holy Communion. Even in our monotonous routines, as we try to make difficult choices, through our every mood, we can enjoy a Holy Communion with the Holy Spirit. The church offers little more, but no less than this good news about a relationship that the Creator of the universe, the Redeemer of all sin, wants to have with each and every one of us. And it's been offering that news for almost 2,000 years. Can you handle another relationship? Maybe you feel like you have enough friends, family, teachers, coworkers. Relationships are a lot to manage. Healthy ones require time and effort and thoughtfulness some selflessness too. Is this relationship that God offers, that, that the church encourages, that people like me says shapes you and can provide light in any darkness that you know, is it worth your time? Is it worth your imagination, your effort? Some Jews and Gentiles of the ancient world, they thought Christianity was just a fad, like this will blow over. But a real relationship with the triune God, if you've ever experienced it, you'd never easily walk away from it like it's the latest craze. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, it makes sense of everything else. It's our first and most important relationship because it explains our stories. It directs and guides our choices. It's a relationship that's constantly transforming us from scared, lonely sinners to confident, peace-filled saints. It's a relationship that, when truly lived, acts a little bit like a craze. People see you in that relationship with God, and they wonder, what's that really about? And they, they want in. An example of this, I read a story this morning that made me think about how catchy faith can be. Malcolm Gladwell wrote this article, and I'll read part of it. He said, So I went to see a woman in Winnipeg by the name of Wilma Dirksen. Thirty years before, her teenage daughter Candace, thirty years before, her teenage daughter Candace had disappeared on her way home from school. The city had launched the largest manhunt in its history, and after a week, Candace's body was found in a hut a quarter mile from their house. Her hands and feet had been bound. Wilma and her husband, Cliff, were called into the local police station, and they were told the news. Candace's funeral was the next day, followed by a news conference. Virtually every news outlet in the province was there because Candace's disappearance had gripped the city. How do you feel about whoever did this to Candace, a reporter asked the Dirksons. We would like to know who the person or persons are. So we could share, hopefully, a love that seems to be missing in these pe people's lives, Cliff said. Wilma went next. Our main concern was to find Candace. We've found her. She went on, I can't say at this point I forgive the person. And the stress was on the phrase, at this point. We have all done something dreadful in our lives or have felt the urge to. And that's when the author, Malcolm Gladwell, says, I wanted to know where the Dirksons found the strength to say those things. Aren't we supposed to just be mad and go get vengeance? Don't the Dirksons get it? Or do they get a kind of peace that most of the world does not understand? Where do you find the strength to forgive? to be kind to people who have not been kind to you, to be generous even when you're not feeling like you have enough? Where do you find the strength to find your purpose or to believe that you have one? The good news tonight is that God created everything and that we are among God's very good creation, so good that we're able to participate in this creation in such a way as to have a real relationship with the one who created it all. And in relationship, we're able to respond to hate and evil with love and compassion. We're able to respond to death with life. Thanks be to God. Amen.